Hello and welcome, true believers, to the latest episode of A Marvelous Escape, your weekly podcast look at the Disney Plus streaming Marvel shows. I'm your host, Aaron Mooney. I'm Casey Wosu. And I'm Amy Campbell. This week we are taking a look at the season finale of Loki, which ends the basically three-season run that we've had on Disney+, Plus, uh, and opens up a whole can of worms potentially for Phase 4 going forward. Uh, it is for all time, always the season finale, and let's begin with a mea culpa. It was Kang. I mean, technically, if we were being persnickety, we could say it wasn't really Kang. It was the obscure comic book character, He Who Remains, who appeared in a couple of issues of Thor, but really, it was Kang. It may also have been Immortus, but that's okay, because Immortus is also Kang. Everything is Kang, it turns out. Um, I have lots of thoughts on this, but to kick us all off, so Casey, what about yourself? What were your initial reactions to um, the finale? When we got the first look at Jonathan Majors, it was disappointment, because I, I'd said before... I did not want them to show us a brand new face or introduce a new character as the big bad when you do like the majority of the show and that person is not involved in anything, right? Like they're, he was just this looming idea of a threat. Um, but once the conversation got started, I again was like maybe 50-50 on it because I kind of like the fact that, like you said, it's not really Kang. Like they kind of gave themselves an out. Like it's like maybe a version of Kang. So like the character that we get elsewhere probably won't behave like this one or at the very least won't know who this one is or something of that nature. Uh, but they, they kind of, they did have a lot of stuff for the fans that let them guess this. And like those fans will feel vindicated. That's like, oh yes, I knew it was going to be this guy and it's this guy, right? So like they kind of somehow split the difference that way. Yeah. So that being said, everything that he explained, because there, there was a lot of explanation yes. in this episode yes i was okay with i felt like okay this was a season that started asking a bunch of questions giving a lot of false information that they then uh, brought up a bunch of new questions with like midway through and then they were like hey now let's answer those questions like i love that right like give me something to kind of chew on here like start explaining yourself sir like that i'm fine with that <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that i wasn't okay with was kind of just um his characterization like Jonathan Majors was sort of doing the the Joker, I want to call it, like kind of just this this weird kind of creepy but not really this kind of I'm I'm having a good time here but I'm really sad inside, like this kind of this kind of just odd behavior that I feel like a lot of actors who get cast as comic book villains do. Like they just it's like this default style of I'm going to be a comic book villain where I don't take anything seriously, but I'm supposed to be, you know, threatening to you. And like I, none of that worked for me at all, and like it really put me off. And it was I was also sort of happy with the idea that okay, well, if he does show up in like say Ant Man or anywhere else for that matter, he'll be a different character. Like he won't behave like this character because I was really put off by that. I do love that you're banking on the idea that like when he turns up in Ant Man, the token comedy franchise in the MCU, <laughs> you're hoping that you'll get a much more serious version of Kang. <laughs> um, I. Yeah, I mean, like, the, uh, yeah, I'll probably, we'll probably back to that. But yeah, that was my big, a lot of my big problem with this episode was, and like, when we were, everybody was speculating Kang, I was like, Kang, I, like, I don't really see it working because then you have to introduce a whole new villain. He has to explain his entire backstory. There's going to be a lot of exposition. It just doesn't seem like the right way to end a show. And I was like, when I watched it, I was like. Because it wasn't. Yeah. Okay, Amy, Amy beat me to it. But yes, okay, Amy, Amy, what are you, what's your immediate reaction to this? 
I'm really in two frames of mind, but the biggest thing that stood out to me was I was a little bit pissed. I sat there and I went, you know what? They have this luxury being Marvel and Disney that they can do whatever the F they want and just you have to accept it. And because of that, I think there was no creative restriction there for them to say, if we only are given the luxury of one season with this idea, how do we want that to conclude and what do we want to have said? They were like, here you go, here's season two. And I'm both like, yay, I'm really excited to get more of this and I'm excited to see where it goes, but you shouldn't have called it season two, you just should have called it part two because you've not given me a finite thing that can live and exist and breathe on its own on its own account. And that makes me really cranky. And I'm the type of person that kind of likes when there's something left up in the air in a TV show. I don't mind that, but only if it as a thing can self-contain itself. And I don't feel like in this instance it can. And that frustrates me because I love TV. I love television. I love being able to sink into these ideas and these worlds for long periods of time, but I just felt like they just went, oh, but we don't have to tell you anything about Ravona, Hunter B-52. Like, we don't have to tell you anything about these things because we're doing that next time. Yeah. And yeah. and that kind of gets me a little bit. Like, anything else about the episode aside, and if you want to hear my thoughts on the rest of it, I'm, I'm happy to mention them. <laughs> but th that one particular thing really... I'm not kind of happy with. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, yeah. My big issue with the Kang thing, aside from the fact that it means that we essentially get the same level of info dump that we got in episode one and episode two again in the season finale, which is just, for me, not a great way of structuring a TV show, for being entirely honest. Like, I don't necessarily want to watch a character I haven't seen do their holiday slideshow, mm. even if it's a cool 3D presentation on his desk. Um, but I, I do, my my other problem with that is that what I really loved about this show and what I really responded to in this show was the idea of it being the story of Loki and it being the story of Loki figuring out who he is and whether he has agency in the narrative and what his purpose is and whether he has a predetermined role. And like, that's the whole arc of the show for me. That's been the whole basis of the show as a character arc. That's why the show is called Loki. That's why Tom Hiddleston is the star of the show called Loki. And how does this season finale wrap up Loki's arc individually? How does it, like, where does it drop his character in a way that it feels like he has actually grown and developed over the course of the preceding season? Because it really feels to me like we get there and we discover, oh, hey, here's Kang. And I get the conceptually Kang talks about how oh, all his variants like tried to wipe each other out and they cause all this chaos and he's the one true version of Kang and therefore it's a nice mirror to Loki trying to think that he's the one true version of Loki. But you you don't really get the connection of, well, Loki took control. Loki has agency because Loki doesn't make a choice in this episode. Loki doesn't actually do anything. He gets to the Citadel at the end of time and it's Sylvie who kicks down the door. She's like, you're not going to try to talk me out? It's like, it wouldn't make a difference. They get to the throne room and it's Sylvie who decides that she is going to kill Kang. And Loki does try to stop her, but she just pushes him through a door and kills Kang anyway. Loki has absolutely no agency in this narrative. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't grown. He hasn't taken charge or control in a way that the entire story seems to be building towards because you have that big moment mm. in like episode four where mobius says to him if anyone ever tells you that you're meaningless or you you don't have any control and you can't choose who you are or the story you're in don't believe them just in case anybody did and that's a 
does he hell yeah moment. But it feels like the climax of this season is, by the way, Loki has been starring in a trailer for Multiverse of Madness. Um, so, you know, good for him. Um, and that that really, really bothered me uh, profoundly, I think. Um, no, you're right. But... The Like this, this finale is less of a finale and more yeah. of a kind of intro to season two right like they didn't bother to wrap up everything that was going on in the first season they instead introduced a bunch of stuff that will take place in season two and like in in a way like you kind of have to do that to kind of build tension for a a follow-up season but like i think they maybe got uh, ahead of themselves a bit and kind of just they didn't really bother to finish the story that they were telling like all just like amy said all those plot threads are pretty much just still where we left them and they just said hey next time we'll maybe get to that because they, they introduced a bunch of new problems like the fact yeah. that uh, the tva somehow just doesn't remember uh loki anymore like that's yeah. a, a big can of worms right yeah it's now run by presumably another kang possibly because uh, he's now not hiding from the shadows he's ruling right. with a giant statue of himself and stuff i mean like i i get like it serving in the same way as say civil war function for phase three where it's like all the premises of every Marvel movie coming out of this seem to be likely to rotate around the consequences of this season. So we know for a fact that Kang is in Quantumania. We know, despite vigorous denials from everybody at Marvel, that like Anthony, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are probably in Spider-Man 3 uh, No Way Home, along with like Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, and so on and so forth. I hope Paul Giamatti's back in his little robot uniform, because that, that would really make my <laughs> robot day. Robot Rhino. Um, robot Rhino. He was so into it. <laughs> Um, if you get a chance, listeners, look up his interview on Jimmy Fallon where he talks about it. I've never seen an Oscar winning actor so excited to talk about a guy whose solution for every problem is I hit it with my head. It's like, that was my process, Jimmy. I want you know, like As an actor, I sat down, I got in my head. It's like, there's a wall in front of me. What do I do? I hit it with a head. There's a superhero in front of me. What do I do? I hit it with my head. It's the purest acting experience I've ever had. But like, so, you know, that's coming up. And then we can kind of presumably infer that like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will probably deal with the multiverse in some way, maybe. I don't know. Could be so red feels, herring. Mar- Marvel's may- tricky like that. Yeah, I mean, like, it turns around, it's actually just, like, it's him learning. It Sylvie. Like, yeah, it, it, learns out, it learns out that it's it's Doctor Strange learning a complex Christmas carol. He's got to learn <laughs> multiverses, and they're so insane. Um, but yeah, no, like, it, I, I, it feels like at the end of it, like, that's what this is, and I know that's what it was always going to be, but it feels like, instead of being Loki's story, it's just like, no, here are all the dominoes we're knocking down for phase four. Presumably. Like, I, I want to try to get across that I'm I'm not super disappointed in that aspect yeah. of it because uh, more so than uh, especially Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which kind of was its own self-contained thing, but especially more so than WandaVision, which they teased that it would do something <laughs> like what Loki ended up doing. Loki yeah. was brave enough to do it, right? Like, this yeah. series has a profound effect on the rest of the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. So like, I commend it for that. Like, I like that they allowed it to do that. And and also like the fact, that the specific thing they did in terms of kind of birthing a multiverse allows them to play around in it and not affect any of that stuff anymore, right? Like they, their season two can really go off the rails at this point. Like they don't have to be um, tied to the events it? of any other thing. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the question, right? Like, will they because... take those chances? With season one, it feels... uh, So here's my thing. Um, Darren, you had mentioned earlier in A Marvelous Escape that they had recorded extra episodes. I almost feel like they had recorded one full season 
and that was going to be almost like a mid-season break, like the big plot point, and then they were going to come around and arc it out. And then someone turned around and said, now nah, we can get way more subscriptions on Disney Plus if we do it this way. And I could be completely wrong on that, but if they recorded those extra episodes that answer those questions, and then they just said, but what if we found some extra ways we could push that out a bit? And only time will tell when we eventually see these episodes and what they mean and their broader context. But I don't know. It's I, I agree with you, Casey, in that I'm not necessarily mad about the fact that they're like, there's going to be more and here's how this impacts what comes next. But at the same time, not everyone likes TV. Some people just like going to watch an Avengers movie or a Black Panther. Like, some people just like going to see that. And if everything now is impingent on a TV series that, you know, I might not have had the hours to invest into watching, but you've now made the entire next phase of this, like, of this entire franchise of Marvel as a whole inaccessible to me, that kind of sucks too. But, I mean, what can you do about that? It's, I mean, it's cool and it's fun and it's exciting and, and I really... I'm keen to see where it goes because, yeah, there's the potential for things to really go off the rails and have fun, but I just don't know if it's going to go there. I'm someone that's always, I'll be honest here, I've always been quite cynical when it comes to Marvel stuff. I'll go in and I'll enjoy it with my favourites still being like your Thor Ragnarok and your Guardians of the Galaxy because it does just go off the rails a little bit. And... I, those were the parts in Loki that I liked the best, but the parts they didn't lean into enough. And I think that to me is where it lies. Because, yeah, we sat there and we watched... Like, we had a 45-minute episode for Kang to just be like, I'm bad, and if you kill me, it's going to get really bad. And I liked the He ending. said it in that exact tone. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the way he said it. That's exactly how it We happened. do have a special guest, Jonathan Majors, on the, on the podcast. That's... <laughs> <laughs> down in New Zealand, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it really, I, I, again, I didn't necessarily hate it, but I really kind of sat there and went, that was, that was where we wanted to leave this as its own thing. That, that, that was how we wanted to finish something that really set itself up to come home strong. And yeah, you still could have had the exact... The thing is, you still could have had the exact same thing happened, but brought it back to it being a Loki sitting there. Yeah. Like, you you really easily could have been like, well, you killed him, the TVA is gone, chaos reigns, and then you come back in, and then it's a Kang statue. Might not have meant something to a lot of people, but it still would have meant... Like, there was well, still... Well, you do a who's that. that. You do, like, a Planet of the Apes moment where it's just like, mm -hmm. who's that? And it just kind of pans across or something. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought I won. And then it's like, nope. You know, I don't know. There, yeah, there's so many ways worked. that yeah. could have had the same outcome. And, you know, I was kind of... An, I, I, again, I've said I was kind of annoyed a lot now. <laughs> but I, I was sitting there because I'd seen so much talk on Twitter and things of people going... Even though I want it to be, I'm going to be kind of mad if it's Kang. Like, I'd seen a lot of that discussion. And the second we got there and I was like, and my partner's just going, I don't know who this is. And I'm like, they've gone the Kang route. And he's like, again, this means nothing to me. <laughs> right. And so it was really disappointing to him as someone that hasn't engaged in the external dialogues 
not like people who listen to these yeah. podcasts or things like that. If I wasn't and on so this podcast, so I would not have known who that was. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> know who Kang the Conqueror is. Like, that's some extra comic book stuff, <laughs> right? Knowledge, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Well, tip. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, One sorry. thing I wanted to ask you, Darren, and I imagine Uh-oh. this may have been where you were going with this anyway. So when I Googled it, the thing that st- I was like, who is Kang? And the one thing that stood out to me was in one version, like when there was a version that went to go fight the Avengers or something, and there was one, meanwhile, there was another version of him that fell in love with a princess named Ravona Renslayer. And I wanted to ask you if you knew much about that, because I was like, well, this just kind of made it obvious. Or Like, if you knew that, then there was yeah. no surprise or intrigue either. Well, like because that's... that... Yeah, well, I mean, like, there were lots of hints. And again, this is the thing with Marvel where there are lots of hints that point in different directions. Like, look at all the stuff we point to around Mephisto when we talked about, like, WandaVision. Um, the difference is that, like, it didn't pull the plug on Mephisto because it, I kind of, it, I think, like, WandaVision understood that, yeah, you will alienate half of the audience if you do this thing out of nowhere. In the same way that, like, people are complaining about, say, the treatment of Taskmaster in Black Widow, where it's like, it's nothing like the comics. And it's like, yeah, the major audience for these shows and these movies are not people who read the comics. But the Ravona Renslayer thing was direct from the comics her uh, assignment was a23 which i believe is an allusion to avengers issue 23 starring kang the conqueror and herself so yeah there were lots of people in fact i'm fairly sure there are people i've engaged with in the youtube comments which you can see below uh who were like yeah no from the beginning it's kang and i was like and i will put my hands up and say i was wrong but i was from the outset was like yeah but if it's if it's kang that's a whole bunch of exposition you're gonna have to do in the final episode and right I, yeah and I, that's exactly what happened <laughs> yeah and again, I want to I, no, I want to kind of defend it in a way because, like, in I a TV works, show, it, no, it, you... I think it works like as well as it could. Like, I think it manages yeah. to avoid a problem I had with Wandavision, where like the the mm. climactic episode of Wandavision has like Agatha turning around saying, "My name is Agatha Harkness," and you're like, unless you read the comics, you're like, who the fuck is Agatha Harkness and why do I care? <laughs> um, same thing, like, into Star Trek Into Darkness arguably had something similar with, like, Ben DeCumbrat saying, my name is Khan. And, like, that's better because you have a Star Trek movie called The Wrath of Khan. So at least people haven't seen, like, oh, he's the dude with the wrath. But still, like, a lot of audience members are like, wait, what? Who's that? Uh, my girlfriend at the time did nudge me and go, that's Khan, even though she had never seen a Star Trek movie, uh, which was great. But, um, like... I feel like this managed to avoid that because it's like, oh, it's just some dude who lives at the end of time. I've had people like message me and like text message me and they're like, um, yeah, that reveal at the end was crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think they'd actually do Kang. It's like, who's Kang? I just mean the guy, the dude. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, because he does. I don't think he actually call. He does call himself yeah, he the Conqueror. Call Kang at he does. All. He does right. not call himself Kang. To be fair, I think like the the reveal is handled about as well as it could be. If you start yes. from the premise that it has to be Kang, I think like I think the problem is the premise it has to be Kang. But I think once you commit to that, this is done about as well as that could be. And like to, to push back very gently on I think something that Amy pointed out there to give Marvel Studios credit. And like I feel odd. I feel it's odd that I'm not the most cynical person about Marvel Studios on this podcast. But to give Woo! them, I know just once. Thank I'm you. Always the positive one. <laughs> I gotta be the cynic sometimes. Yeah, we here it is. Yeah, behind the scene, behind the scenes for everybody, we just draw all rolls out of a hat before we start podcasting. <laughs> um, but I do I do honestly like think that to give them credit, uh, Marvel Studios are very good at ensuring that the lay audience can follow along. My parents, for example, like watched uh, Endgame 
having not even watched Infinity War and were able to follow most of it because, like, it reintroduces characters as it goes. They watched Black Widow at the weekend, and the only question my mom had at the end was, wait, did they say the Avengers were in prison? Um, because she hadn't followed the continuity of, like, Civil War, but the movie was generally accessible up until that point. Like, it, it brought you along, you didn't need to know all that stuff. So, to give them credit, I imagine that, like, they are going to reintroduce all this stuff in Multiverse of Madness, or Spider-Man, you know, uh, Far From... No, no Way Home, I no think it's home. called. No Way Home, yeah. They're, I imagine they're going to reintroduce and bring general audiences along. I imagine this is just a teaser. Because the entire thing is, like, this version of Kang is dead. This version of Kang is never going to appear again. Part of me wants, in, like, my weird reptile galaxy time travel brain, wants the entire, like, phase four of the MCU to be a circle that ends with, like, Kang's journey through the arc that we're about to see and circle back to his death here in some sort of, like, temporal paradox. So we've seen the end of his story, and then we see, like, the... Because he, he does mention specifically, like, you kill me, what's just going to happen is I just yeah, end right up, up back, back here at the here. start. So I kind of want, like, that arc to be, like, just the Kang arc, in the, like, phase four to be... Oh, and, and, and then he retires the Citadel at the end of time, and there's a knock at the door, and you're like, ah, I see what they're doing here. But yeah, no, I, I kind of... Cool. I, I do think, like, I do think they, I don't think this is going to alienate audiences. I think they'll be very good at bringing people along. But in terms of, like, other stuff, very briefly from this episode, kind of like, what did we think? So in terms of stuff like, say, the Mobius stuff. Um, or Mobius no jet ski, so shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but that that's that's the that's the thing. That's exactly what Amy said, which is, like, we're getting season two. So we're not getting all the payoff. There is no payoff here. Like, that's there, it. Like, there, there wasn't a single payoff for any K characters. No. Casey doesn't see a fish. Yeah, Casey doesn't see a fish. Um, Why do they do our boy Casey a dirty like that? <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, Welcome B to the Casey cast. doesn't um, get um, any sort of, you know, reintroduction to the family that, that kind of mm -hmm. turned her away. Like, Mobius doesn't ride a jet ski. Yeah. Like, the entire TVA, they, like, I don't get my big revolution. Like, M Mobius actually just goes. into an office. <laughs> Yeah, he, he actually goes and tells the truth to most of the TVA, right? Mm -hmm. So they know at this point, but there's no big uprising. They reset it. <laughs> like, it, it turns into everyone forgot that this was a problem. <laughs> and well, you get and you get a weird backstory for Ravona. And again, like, it, it's been mentioned, I think, mm. um, I think Magumba Raw has mentioned that, like, she... This is like the origin story for Ravona Revslayer, which means that you're going to see her over the next couple of films, I suspect. But again, it's very much, it's a weirdly, like the narrative thread, I did not need this season to give me Ravona's backstory. I didn't need to know that she came from Ohio no. in 2018. I didn't need an entire scene <laughs> dedicated to that when you had so much else to do. It's a very strange touch, which is largely just like, oh, this character is important. Much like the, uh, oh, he thinks this will be useful to you later on as you disappear through this door looking for free will. Like, again, all of this stuff is, is set up rather than finale, which I, you know, and I mean, I get it. We're in a, it's a comic book show. We're in a state of perpetual motion. But I, I do feel Amy's frustration that it's like, you can resolve some stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it doesn't feel like a finale or a resolution and if i took that concept away from it and it was just another episode different story but it's not and that like therein lies the issue for me because yeah you introduced more problems than you solved and had they not introduced that bit with ravona like okay ohio 2018 like had they <laughs> just even flat out not included those bits it actually would have made like improved it and not harmed it 
because you know that you're still going to get that backstory at some point because it's far too important to understand how Ravona got there. Like, you know that that's an important point. Uh, but, yeah, the thing I would like to say, I don't disagree in the fact that it was really cool and the idea of it coming full circle would be very, very cool. But I think one of the biggest things for me was I actually did really like when you pan over and you see the statue and you're like, oh, shit, Selby, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. And, like, there was that kind of moment to it. It's like, oh, Selby, you did a really big bad, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and that was really nice. Like, I did like that. And it's like, wait, now no one remembers what's going on? Yeah, like, like these are interesting threads to follow. And it's it's worthy of making, like, it's a nice season finale in the sense that, oh, I want to know what happens next when this comes back next season like all that works yeah. fine and again i even liked that we sat in a room and kang explained how the tva <laughs> came about like what the multiversal war actually was all of that made perfect sense to me like if i was a lay person and yes. i sort of yeah. was because i didn't know who kang was i just knew people knew he would be the bad guy here and that jonathan majors was going to be playing him so when i saw jonathan majors i'm like oh that's the dude everyone thought was going to be here <laughs> But clearly he's not the exact same guy. And all he did was sit us down and explain to us, these are all the questions, these are all the answers to the questions that you had when this show started. So from this point forward, get ready for more hijinks. And that's kind of like, that's Mostly. that's what <laughs> that's what his speech at that desk was really all about. I just hate the way he delivered it. <laughs> um, can I, like, and, and to bring it back to that whole Sylvie did a bad thing, actually, because this is something that I also kind of slightly grated with me, right? Which is, like, the whole thing throughout is this idea of agency and the idea of free will and the characters having choice and the idea that, like, the TVA has been pruning people and wiping people out and in many cases, like, extinguishing their entire existence for the mere fact of existing. So, you know, like, Crokey is, is you know, gone because, you know, he... he ate the wrong person or you know sylvie was pruned because she was a little girl or whatever all that sort of stuff and like the whole thing is like the tva is completely and utterly monstrous and it's really weird that you get to the end of the season and the season's perspective seems to be but eh, i guess dictatorship isn't too bad when you consider the alternative is like worse dictatorship am i right like <laughs> sylvie's sylvie's I think entirely reasonable to kill Kang, given that Kang doesn't believe she has the right to exist. The TVA that he created would have wiped her out of existence. And I feel it feels odd that like the season finale is like, but you know, there really are, you know, there are very bad people on both sides, uh, which is a rather strange position to take on like what we've seen the TVA be and do. I found that a rather odd way for the show to wrap up its kind of like first season arc where it's like, yeah, but you know, at least they're different than the other jackbooted thugs, huh? You know? Um, it's that moment in The Simpsons where they go, I voted for Kodos. Um, <laughs> it's another no, I mean, it's, reference. Um, it, <laughs> no, it's, but it's like, what? what's the al alternative, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like when you get to the end of the mystery man, and he, he basically offers you the red pill or the blue pill. Like, you have to do the one that's the more interesting story. <laughs> oh, like no, that's, no. Like, that's the real answer, right? Like, you can't not kill him and then leave things as they are. But no, no, and no, I I know. Like, I'm not, I'm not objecting to that. I just find it weird that, like, the central conflict of the season has been the TVA is awful. And they're, like, annihilating. And they're, like, wiping out choice and agency and free will. And then you get to the end and it's like... Yeah, but, you know, on the other hand, I guess what would happen if you did allow people free will and choice and got rid of the TVA would be that but you I just have another guy. Um, 
But is that because he sits down and he's like, oh, but we're at the end now and it's going to start <laughs> splitting and I don't know. So now you have yeah. to have way more agency in this choice, which is why it could be really bad. Like, it's not like... Like, it almost shouldn't have been, oh, look, it's starting to branch. Like, we've reached the point. Now you have to do something about me. Had it just been their choice to do it, and had Loki been conflicted with the idea because of the idea itself and not because there was, like, some pressure that just got yeah, thrown on them in the yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I'd like to point out, I predicted something in maybe the first or second episode where there would be like those real trashy joke commit well not even jokes where Loki would turn around and go I choose my own destiny and then walk away he word for word said that in this episode and I threw my hands up and said I got something right got, got one he thing did. he was like but we choose our own destiny we write our own destiny and I was like said it he said and- it and and I mean, like, to be fair, like, the, the climax of the episode, and I feel like this is the problem with the Kang reveal, is that it throws off the emotional heart of the episode. The emotional heart of the episode is Sylvie betraying Loki. Like, it is Loki effectively betraying themselves, which is what, like, a lot of people said would be the core theme of the show, and makes a great deal of sense. It's like, you get to the end, and Loki cannot trust Loki. That's where we're at. And, like, that's the heart of the episode, but because it comes, like, with the weight of the Kang cameo, because it becomes, like, after all the exposition because it becomes before you know before the gigantic cliffhanger it it feels almost anticlimactic instead of being the heart of the episode is loki finds one person he thinks he can trust and it's a version of himself but oh no he can't trust himself because he is fundamentally untrustworthy or they are fundamentally untrustworthy it just becomes no it's it's just a small thing that happens in the middle of this larger cacophony mm-hmm. it feels it feels like the the emotional weight of the episode is thrown off which is a shame because i actually really like that moment i i really like i yeah. think i think hiddleston sold it really really well and demartino sold it really really well as well Loki, you can tell Loki just wants to talk. He just wants to stop. He wants to trust and he wants to be trusted. And he can't because of the, like the dynamic that exists between the pair of them. I thought that was a really good moment. I just thought it got drowned out by everything else around it, really. Well, because to add to that, Darren, I, I, again, I thought that was a really cool moment too. And there was... In the moments afterwards, the problem was you then see all of the other stuff just Cut in. fly yeah. at you and then we see Loki sit down and have that moment of, oh my God. And I was I was annoyed at the placement of that moment because it should have been this point where you go, and, and I thought of it briefly instead of being really hooked and engaged with this moment, gee, he's, this is a very different version of Loki to the one that stood before Thanos. This is a very, very different version that's come to very different conclusions. Similar ideas, but has genuinely carved their own path. But I didn't get to sit in and enjoy that moment because if you're watching it with someone else, you're sitting there looking at each other going, who the fuck was Kang? (laughs) And, And, like, literally we talked over that whole bit. When it, when it should have been the moment where we were both sitting there going, emotional music, tears to the eye, you nailed that, Tom Henderson. That was great. Thank you. I enjoyed that. But you weren't. You you had a conversation over it. Yeah. And I imagine that's, I think, where a lot of people may have found themselves in this episode is where you should have been having the most gravity and the biggest payoff. 
because the emotional payoff is what we were kind of here for in this episode and you weren't you you talked over it and i think that was just a poor placement of the scene in yeah. a way it almost should have happened first and then like oh my god she betrayed me like really spell that part out <laughs> yeah. and then she goes back and does yeah i say the big bad because it's the big bad in relation to loki not yeah. necessarily the world as a whole but it was the big bad for tom hiddleston's loki and i think I don't know. It, it kind of diminished itself a little bit because of that, when it, it really could have had something to sink your teeth into. I will say my dad is watching Falcon and Winter Soldier at the moment because he is hip with all the pop culture trend and only like a month and a half behind. Um, and he is, he's like, we had a conversation at the weekend where he sat me down for an hour and was like, but what, what what's going on? What What is happening? What is this thing about? Who are these people? What do they mean? And part of me now just wants to imagine him watching Loki and getting to this episode <laughs> and like just like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, But I think we, we are trying to keep these episodes a bit trimmer. He says, as we've already run over our target time. So I'm going to ask Casey, I'm going to ask Amy, like sum up thoughts on this season of Loki, on these six episodes as a whole. What do we make of it? What, how does it rank in terms of like the MCU canon, in terms of the MCU TV shows? So Casey, what's your big takeaway? What's your opinion? Um, for me, personally, just me, um, I still like it as my favorite of the new TV show ideas. Like, even with a sort of weaker finale, I still think it's stronger than uh, the WandaVision finale and maybe on par with the fucking Winter Soldier finale. Um, that being said, um, I, I, I want to see more Jonathan Majors. And that could just be my bias. Like, I like Jonathan Majors as an actor. I love him in Lovecraft Country. Emmy nominee uh, Jonathan Majors. Like, yeah, I, the I night dressed before. as him this yeah. past Halloween. <laughs> like, if I'll, I'll send the pictures if you guys want to throw that in front of the yeah, like, <laughs> here for this. Listeners, you are seeing. Casey, I love Jonathan. Oh, so Jonathan I, I do... Majors and Owen Wilson together. There's the combination. Now, how would you oh. feel about that? Mobius and Kang. If, if Kang punches Mobius in the face, I can I can get behind no, it. No, they're gonna have the same bromance. It's Mobius as a character is always just at the feet of the leader. Um, but sorry, Casey, we got you off. But no, I I bring him up because the the way they revealed him in this episode makes it seem like we could get Jonathan Majors in not just Ant Man, but like in Doctor Strange in another yeah. season of Loki. It just He'll probably be a villain who shows up in like multiple different things in the MCU. So like that'll doubly be my prediction that we'll see yeah. multiple Jonathan Majors, Magi. I don't you're going to say he's going to be a major player as what you're saying here. Yes, yeah, that's it. that's where I was going. <laughs> um, well, I, I do think that is like because again, and, and part of me wonders if like this phase of the MCU was envisioned before we got like before we got the Fantastic Four rights, before we got X-Men, because Kang is arguably like the second biggest Avengers villain in terms of comic book continuity um, behind like Thanos. Thanos has like the infinity saga that was his big thing uh kang has like the um avengers forever by kirk busick he has the kang dynasty by kirk busick which is also like if you are looking for kang stories those are the ones i'd recommend so yeah i can i absolutely i don't doubt that kang is being set up as like the next thanos i don't know if he'll dominate for as long as thanos does but i i can't help but imagine that if they're bringing him out he's going to be a major player for kind of this phase uh so i think we're entering a new major phase uh, of the MCU. Agreed. Um, uh, and, and Amy, what about yourself? Closing thoughts on the season as a whole. Not not too dissimilar to Casey. I, I liked it. 
I, I, it had the potential for me to love it, but I liked it. As a whole, as a series, there were some really nice ideas that it introduced and moments that when I separate them out, I really enjoyed. Um, and maybe I just have to shift my thinking about it. And I think that's only going to come when we get this season two and see where this payoff leads. But overall, I, I quite liked it. I thought there were some really cool characters and I'm really excited to see where it goes because it, it does feel like phase four is going to be um, like just having to deal with the ramifications of a multiverse. And that's kind of cool because it does mean things are going to get a little bit wild. And I don't know, I, I love to see that kind of thing and I'd love to see it weave its way through some of the other films. And that would be kind of cool. It also has means that there's potential for more Loki in other properties too. So I, I think that could be a bit of fun and exciting, if nothing else. Yep. Yeah. The ending doesn't sit well with me. If I'm looking at it as purely one season of television, that ending, you did not land for me at all. Other than the fact that I'm like, yeah, maybe this could go somewhere interesting. And that's fine, but not what I would have personally liked out of it. Nothing wrong with it, just not what I would have liked. So you go but so far as say you're low-key disappointed. Like Low-key, I am disappointed. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, and for myself, yeah, I'm kind of uh, between the two of you in terms of that. I think this is easily the best of the Marvel television projects. That is more a judgment on the other two than it is a uh, unqualified phrase of this one. I think last week I was like, based on episode three, episode four, and episode five, this could be the best MCU project since Thor Ragnarok. I have since downgraded it. It is now the best MCU project since Black Panther. Still quite an accomplishment, but not as much as an accomplishment as it was. Um, but yeah, I do, and I find myself worried. I am very excited about the stuff that Amy's excited about, which is the prospect of the multiverse opening up and like bringing in all this stuff and having all these different interpretations and different ideas where there's no one true timeline anymore. My big fear coming out of this episode in particular is that like it's going to be, oh no, we have to fix it so there's one true timeline at the end. Instead of going, no, the, the idea of one true timeline is absolutely nuts. Why would you do that? Why would you limit yourself in that way? Why not just have a multiverse that includes absolutely everything? My big fear is that like it looks like, based on this episode, like the multiverse is a problem that we're going to have to solve rather than like an endless stream of opportunities and continuous potential that allows for unlimited possibilities, which I think it should be. So that is also one of the reasons I am disappointed with this episode. But yeah, I liked it. I would argue that, yeah, episodes, yes, controversially three, less controversially four and five are among the best things Marvel have ever done. Uh, and I do think that this was a rather serious step down. But I also agree with Casey that I think the finale was definitely better than WandaVision's finale. I do think it was also appreciably better than uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. In that, as I mentioned, I joked a couple episodes ago that I didn't want it to end with like Miss Minutes giving a speech about how, um, well, really, you should just learn to like listen to other people and respect one another and like not fight fascism. So it, it kind of stops just short of that with its like really fine people on both sides of the multiverse. Um, but I, I think it stops just short enough that's like, yeah, it works as a finale better than the other two finales. So yeah, in conclusion, the best of the three series by a significant distance. One of the better Marvel projects in recent history, but still something that I have very, very serious reservations about. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Anything we want to say before we wrap up? All right. Season two. Yeah. Disney, if you're listening. 
you put Owen Wilson on that jet ski or I'll find you. Um, That's it. That's all I wanted to say because I I know that Disney are clearly going to watch this. this, this, I just wanted to make it very clear. I mean, they're sharing it right now um, internally. They're like, check this out, guys. Um, This... I love his pun game. Um, feel like we should have him do punch-ups. But no, I, I, I do think... And also, no wow. That was my big disappointment as well. We didn't even get a wow. I could have lived without a jet ski if we got a wow. But we didn't get a wow. So, such is life. Well, I feel nothing well, Ravona. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really going to do this. Yeah. That would have wow. done nothing for me. Like, the bit where he gets knocked down, he could have gone, wow. Um, like, it doesn't have to be a big moment. It, just, like, a little thing. But anyway. All right, so we're about wrapping up. Having done a terrible job... Entirely me. I have done a terrible job of keeping the runtime of this under control. Um, But don't worry. We'll be back next week. We'll be taking a look at Black Widow, just the three of us. Um, And then we're going to take a little bit of a break. And we'll be back then when What If launches as well with this kind of regular panel as well. But uh, until then, uh, I've been Darren Mooney. I've been Casey Wosu. And I've been Amy Campbell. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, everyone who's watching. Until then, Excelsior, true believers. (laughs) 